Thank you, church family and Summit, uh, for allowing me, not that you had a choice, to show up and to be able to share with you guys today. Um, it is a privilege to be with you, and I want you to know there's a body of believers called the Dawson Family of Faith back in Birmingham that um, deeply cares about what God's doing in the state of Maine. And we are invested, and we continue to invest, and we look forward to continue journey and walking with you guys uh, and all these pastors up here um, that we get to come alongside of, and it's, it's awesome. Um, I do want you to know they, they had a meeting this morning, and we're starting to draw the short straw of who would be my interpreter of, of Southern jargon versus the North so that everybody could interpret. I promise whatever you hear today, I will not be speaking in tongues. Uh, nothing will be that need to be interpreted at that level. I do apologize. I speak very quickly, and so she's going to be worn out. Uh, before it's all said and done. Um, but I'm excited to be able to share with you uh, today. It's a privilege to get here and um, excited about what God's doing here in Summit in this faith community. And so um, I, I'm sure you have been there December 31st. You've had an incredible holiday season. You have uh, opened all the gifts. You have eaten more food than you thought possible. And then you, you come off that high that sugar rush, that carb loading, whatever you want to call it, and you get to December 31st and you say, okay, well, the reason I ate so much then is because January 1st will be a new day. I am going to commit. This will be the year. This will be the year I lose the 20 pounds. This will be the year I get in shape. This will be the year that it will be different. And you set your alarm, you go to sleep that night, you set your alarm for 5.30, and you're excited about that. You get that outfit out, and you make sure it's working for you. I mean, whether you're running, whether you're at the gym, whether you're run, whatever you that outfit's got to work. And you got it all set up, you got it all laid out, tennis shoe strings on the outside. That alarm goes off, you bolt out of bed, you're like, this is it. You take your walk, you take your run, you go to the gym, you're getting those squats in, you're getting that bench press going, you're curling dumbbells, you're like, man, I didn't realize I was so strong. And you are pumped, you burn calories, your watch tells you you have achieved all your rings, and life is good. You finish the day, you're thinking, man, this is going to be great, I can't wait for tomorrow Reset that clock, new outfit, because you went and bought something because you did so good today. The alarm goes off at 5.30, and you wonder what possibly has happened because nothing in your body is moving. <laughs> you blink, and you feel pain. You do everything within your power to roll over to turn the alarm clock off. And with all the effort you can, you move a hand and you about scream. Because everything in your body is hurting. Because you have successfully, in just 45 minutes, ruined the entire year. It will take that long for your body to recover, for your muscles to come back. And you have successfully ripped every muscle in your body apart. But that's what it takes to grow muscle. Muscles do not grow because we work them out. They, they grow and they get stronger because we tear them apart. We break them down. And so today I'd like to take us on a journey and look at somebody's life and see how God tore his 
faith muscle down and grew it back stronger. Because I believe God wants to do the same thing to you and I. And so as we get started, would you pray with me? Father, I pray you guide us today as we open your word, we open your truth. I pray that we are courageous enough, transparent enough to let you in and do business. God, help us to be bold today. Help us to not be defensive. God, help us to not to explain away. Help us to not justify. Help us to come into your presence and give you authority today. In your name I pray. Amen. So this is kind of what I think happens in life. I think as we kind of go through life, we have two axes that we work off. One of those is kingdom impact, that God wants you and I, according to Matthew 28, 18, to make a difference, to go therefore, baptize, teach, make a difference, make a kingdom impact. And then on the journey, he wants us to grow to become more like him every day. And so we have one axis that says our impact for the kingdom. The other says our spiritual growth. And this is ideally what that would look like. We would begin moving through life. We would have this great kingdom impact and all the same time growing spiritually. And this is the ideal. Probably for most of us, it probably looks a little more like this. We grow a little, we go down a little. We grow up a little, we go down a little. And, but the trajectory is moving up. But there are those seasons which we go up and there are seasons we go down. For some of us in this room, this might look like a little more accurate of our faith. That we grew to a certain point... And we have flatlined. We have plateaued in our faith. I'm no stronger today than I was 10 years ago. I'm no stronger today than I was a week ago. And God, God loves us just like we are, but loves us too much to leave us that way. And he wants us to grow and to get this muscle. And let me explain why. Because I think everybody in this room is going to at some point have at least one Isaac moment. If you remember the story of Abraham and Isaac, Isaac was a gift, and Abraham uh, was going on this journey, and God got to a point where he said, I want Isaac. I want what you love the most. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to give up something for me. And I think every one of us in this room are going to have at least one, if not more, Isaac moments. But I can promise you this. When your Isaac moment comes up here, if your faith muscle is here, that's an extremely painful leap to go from here to here. So God has a plan. It's a faith plan. It's a plan that's designed to take you from here to here this way. So that the leap of your Isaac moment isn't as painful as it is down here. Does that make sense? You with me? This means yes. This means no. Okay, just, I'm just making sure. I mean, southern yes, northern yes. Don't know how those work. I'm just kidding. So if you will, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to jump in here, and we're going to see the journey that Abraham took might teach us something about our own journey as well. So if there are points, here's the point number one that I want to share with you. It's simply this. It's hard to grow your faith inside your comfort zone. None of us grow our muscles if we just have a light workout. 
It's only with the breaking down of the muscle does muscle grow. And so God's going to call us outside of our comfort zone. And let's see what happens here in Abram's life. So chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father. For the household to the land I will show you, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. Now, important, underline that part. So Abram went. So we, at this point, we know Abram has a faith. It's not like he's a new believer. He's got enough faith for him to go, so he just left. Sometimes God calls us to uncomfortable things. And you know what I mean. Sometimes it's somebody across the room that you can tell is hurting, and God has kind of moved in your life, moved in your heart, and says, I want you to go talk to that person. And then it starts. Palms start getting sweating. Pit comes in the stomach, and we start arguing with the Holy Spirit. I don't think, no, no, I don't think you really, I don't even know that person. They don't want to talk to me. They don't even know who I am. I got nothing to offer that person. And we start, and God says, no, I want you to get outside your comfort zone. This is much more about me than it is about you. And I want you because I've got something I want to tell. You imagine how many people's prayers might be answered because of your obedience? That God uses us and wants us to be obedient so he can answer the prayer of somebody across the room. It may be outside the comfort zone at your office place that the person who irritates you the most, who's who is God's called you to love the most, and that's going to take you outside your comfort zone. It's going to be somebody at school, somebody in the neighborhood that just drives you crazy. And God's placed you there to grow your faith muscle because it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you for that person. And so God takes us. And so Abram, he went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. So nobody in this room is done yet. Nobody hears off the hook. God doesn't finish and get us to a point where, whoo, God must be done with me because I'm retired. No, God's not. When you got four kids, he's not done. If anything, you're going to need more faith than anybody. That's a testimony over here, right? I'm getting that. So God sends. And God sends him to a place that he tells him not the destination. You know, God is still in the business of sending us on journeys and not telling us the destination. God wants to know if your obedience is conditional. Because this is what I believe. I think if God had told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac and had told him that down here, do you think he would have gone on the journey? Do you think we would go on the journey? We pray, God, show me. God, tell me. But God in his sovereignty and his wisdom knows if I show you, you won't go. Because you're going to think, 
you don't have the ability. You're going to think, I can't do that. You're going to think, I don't want to do that. And God says, I want to take you on a journey. And I want to grow your faith muscle. Because I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. I see more in you than you see in yourself. And Abraham's teaching us a powerful lesson that God still sends us on journeys without telling us the destination. So sometimes you may not need to ask the, def- the destination. You may just need to say, yes, Lord. Just like Abram got up and he went. God will reveal the rest along the way. So let's keep going. It's hard to grow your faith in your comfort zone too. God can handle your doubts, but doesn't need your interference. Let that sink in. God can handle your doubts. He gives you freedom to come to Him with your doubts. But God doesn't need your interference. So let's keep going. So we're in chapter 12. Go to chapter 15. Move forward a little bit. We pick up the story a little further down the road. Abram's a little frustrated because God hasn't answered his prayer. I mean, he started at 75. He's a few years down the road here, and God hasn't fulfilled. Do you ever get frustrated that God hasn't fulfilled his end of the deal? Ever doubt that God's just not aware that what you're going through? That you ever doubt that God really hears your prayers? You're really no different than Abram, but let's see what we can learn. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, which I think is pretty funny. I, maybe I'm just weird like that, but for the guy who's doubting to say God is sovereign and in control of everything, I feel like he's calling God out right here. He's like, All right, Sovereign Lord. You still, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is in your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up. Now, I don't know about you. I'm from the south. When you get taken outside because you've been smarting off, Looking up at the sky is not the game plan, you know? Yet God just seems to be a little patient here. I think the translators got this all wrong. I think he said, look up at the sky. I went, what? No, I'm just kidding. That's not in here. Just playing. He took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If you can indeed count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. He said, I've got plans for you you have no idea about. You have written yourself off, and I have not even started. God can handle your doubts. He can handle your fears. He can handle your que- He can handle your anger. He can handle everything you bring. He just wants you to bring them to Him and not walk away from Him in the journey. He can handle everything. He's a big God. He can handle anything you bring, and He welcomes us. To come talk to. Isn't it beautiful that Abram has the comfort level with God to be transparent with him? We need to do that too. We need to have that kind of relationship with God where we can say, God, I don't get this. I'm frustrated. And God says, Come on. And you know what he'll do? He'll walk you outside. And he'll say, Look up at the stars. Look at the blessings that are around you. Look at your past and what I've already done in your life. Lean on those things, because in leaning on those things, I'm going to help you move forward in the things you cannot see 
right now. So go to the next chapter. So that section was on doubt. Abram doubted. Now let's go to the interference part. Chapter 16. Now Sarai, which will be Sarah later. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, pay, pay very close attention to this. The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Do you see this? Do you see this unfolding on Netflix? I mean, this is a new series that's up there. You're watching this, and the wife comes and says, Oh, husband of mine, I have failed you. Please go sleep with a slave of mine, and it will make all things right. Now, what is she really saying? She's saying, I'm hurt. I have disappointed you. I'm not fulfilling my side, and I am hurt. And what she really wanted was affirmation. That's kind of like when we come home and we say, we call our wife. She's had the kids all day, and we say, hey, I'm going to go play a round of golf. And she says, that's fine. You just go ahead and enjoy your afternoon with the boys. I will stay at home with the children, and I will clean up, and I will wash the dishes. What does she really mean? Come home. That's right. So it, just read through this. You can kind of see it all unfolding here on primetime TV. So Abram, and so Abram agreed. Hello, man. This, we haven't changed. Our frontal lobe's still not fully developed. It's one of those things. So Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took the Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to the husband to be his wife. I love the, 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 uh, the translation at this point and how quickly we move through an awkward situation. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Let's move on. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise the mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you can see this? See the hand on the hip? See the hand up here? The rotation of the neck? You, you did this. What does it say? Right there. You are responsible for the wrong that I'm suffering. Have, this is just prime time. This is reality TV at its best. They have followed the camera. This is in the back bedroom. She has come, and she is letting Abram have it. You are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And she walks out. Okay, You can just see this thing unfolding here. Do you see the interference? Do we not do that with God today? We want things quickly. So quickly that we order a cup of coffee on an app so we can just walk in the store and walk out. We drive through a drive-thru, and if we may wait more than five minutes for them to cook us hot, fresh food, we get frustrated. We say, I'm only going to give them two stars because this has been way too slow. We want things quick, and we want them now. You get it. The creator of the universe sometimes we feel forgets us. We have had prayers. We have submitted requests to God, and we hear nothing. And we feel like, and I get this, God must be too busy to take care of my request. So let me help God out. The creator of the universe, the most sovereign God, the God of which I worship, needs my help. He needs me to enter, because he probably doesn't fully understand the context of the situation. He probably doesn't understand the dynamics that are going on in my child's classroom. He probably doesn't understand the dynamics that are going on in my family. 
He probably doesn't understand the need for my daughter to be dating someone or my son to be dating someone. He probably doesn't understand how important I need this promotion. He probably doesn't understand the dynamics of work I'm going to. Or maybe we expect God to operate on our schedule instead of His. And so we interfere. We jump in and we try to take over. And we try to do just like Sarah did. And we try to say, I'll fix this. I'll go this direction. We're not a patient people. We want everything. It's almost like, so sometimes we forget. Now, I'm a a checkers guy more than I'm a chess guy. But I played chess, and some things I learned about chess, and I think we can learn from, from that game today. You see, chess is a a unique name. And checkers, you just kind of play with what's going on. You have a good time. I'm an extrovert. We can talk during the whole thing. We don't have to think. So we like that. Chess is one of those games that you start to play, and you don't play for the move. The reason I got destroyed playing chess is because you don't play for the move. You play for three moves from now. Does that make sense? It's me, Jess. All the chess people are just like sitting up going, that's right. That's how you do it. And so when I, when I never made sense to me. Somebody would move a piece over here, and then they would spend the rest of their time over here. And it never made sense to me while this piece was here until three moves later. And the same thing's true about you and I. God moves us in this chessboard of life to a place, and it makes sense. And we have been obedient, and we have landed right in the destination of where God sent us. And then God goes over here and starts working on this part of the board. And we go, hello, have you forgotten about me? Did you forget that I'm here? And God says, I'm not ready to move you yet. Because I have other things I'm working on so that your place will make sense later. God can handle our doubts. What he doesn't need is our interference. So trust, even in the silence, even in the solitude, trust God. Trust in what you do see, not what you don't. Trust in what you know about God, not what you're thinking about God. And I promise you'll walk the faith. Because Hebrews 11 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. God's going to grow your faith muscle. He can, he can grow it through doubt. He doesn't need our interference. And just remember, just because we don't see God at work doesn't mean He's not working. Right? Okay, let's keep going. So if God can handle our doubts but doesn't need our interference, third point is God's preparing you today for what He will ask of you tomorrow. God's getting you ready because God knows your Isaac moment's coming. And he loves you too much to take you from here to here. So he's preparing you today to go here because he knows this is coming. And he's preparing you here to get to here because he knows this is coming. And then he's slowly moving us through. And he is, so whatever you're in right now, embrace it because God is using it to grow you into who He wants you to be. He wants to take you in the moment that you are and grow that muscle, which means breaking it down. And He will break you. I've always lived under the, oh, it took me a while to get here, 
under the mindset that I would do better breaking me than God breaking me. It's going to be a lot less painful that way. But I'm going to grow more that way. And if you ever need an exercise to, to, to figure that out, start writing down the times in your life God has already showed up. Just go back and start looking. And there are time and time again God has been faithful. Isn't it interesting that 25 years after this journey started with Abraham, God fulfilled his promise? How many of us are willing to wait 25 years for God to fulfill the promise he made to us? It's hard for us to wait 25 minutes for God to answer our prayers. So God's not finished. What I do know is this. Even in our disobedience, God fulfills his end of the promise. Isn't it interesting that he kept his promise about Isaac, even in light of Abraham's disobedience? God's bigger than our disobedience. And he will continue to stretch us, continue to grow us. So God's preparing us today for what he will ask from us tomorrow. Now go to chapter 22. A couple pages over. A lot of passage here. Chapter 22, verses 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him. Now, I want to clarify this. He uses the word test in there. I want to clarify the difference between a test and a temptation. A test will always be something that God uses to move you closer to him, to become more like him. A temptation will always be used for something that will pull you away from God, less like him. Okay, so if you're wondering if whatever you're facing right now is a test or a temptation, that's the yardstick. That's what you measure it against. If you go across the room because God moved in you, if you go on this trip, if you um, use this money to invest in something that is a mission trip that you just, all of that's designed to move you closer to God. If you're questioning, should I go to this place on the internet? Should I behave this way and talk about a friend? Should I do this and it makes me less of who God wants me to be? then that's a temptation. Temptations come from the enemy. Tests come from God. Okay, you with me? This makes sense. This means yes. This means no. Good. You're still tracking. So after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that Abraham's first response to God on this journey was, here I am. What's our first response to God when he calls? I wonder if it's, God, I don't really have time right now because I'm in the carpool line. I don't have time right now because I'm on my way to do it. I can't stop and help this person on the road and be Jesus to them because i got to get my son to ball practice because if he's not there, he won't start. Well, which is the greater lesson to teach your son? If we're so consumed and we have no margin in our life for God to move and to uh, adjust our plans... We're going to miss out on a lot of the opportunities God's given us, not only to teach us, but to teach our children and our family as well. We have to be careful that our response is, here I am, not, how about later? Let's keep going. He said, here I am. He said, important, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Does God know what Isaac means to Abraham. He does, doesn't he? Does God 
know what you love when he asks you for your Isaac? Does he know what he's about to ask you and what it means to you? Absolutely he does. He knows the things that he's going to put in front of you to say, are you willing to give this up for me? Your uncomfort, your sweaty palms, going to a place that you don't even talk to somebody you don't even know, talk to somebody you don't even like. God knows that's why he's asking. <clears throat> and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I, will sh I shall tell you. So Abram rose early in the morning. Do you see doubt? Do you see anxiety? Do you see despair? Do you see bargaining with God? Do you trying to say, well, God, let's back up here. Now what you see is obedience. Obedience that responds firsthand. Do you think he would have had that same obedience way back here? Probably a little more doubt, but because he's seen God show up and show up and show up, <clears throat> he just trusts. Blind obedience is a great place to be. Let's keep going. Verse 3. So Abram, <clears throat> Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to a place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place uh, from afar. Then Abram said to the, to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over and worship. Important part, underline this part. And come again to you. What does that tell you about Abraham's faith? God's just told him, We're going to go sacrifice Isaac. And yet, Abraham's response to the young men was, we will be back. I don't think he knows how that's going to happen. I just believe he feels it's going to happen. He has enough faith that if God gave me Isaac, God will do something else and not take Isaac away. My job is just to be obedient. I love the faith that's here. I love the depth of relationship that's here, and trust in God more than man. Verse 6, And Abraham took the, word of the, burnt, um, the wood of the burnt offering <clears throat> and laid it on his, uh, Isaac, his son, which that's just dirty ball. Okay, let's just be honest. Isaac's having to carry the very wood that's going to be used for him to be sacrificed on. And he's got that. I guess you guys don't see that like I see that. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife so that they both went of them together. And Isaac said to his father, which I can see this happening. Isaac's looking around. Don't you see this? Isaac's looking around going, okay, we got the wood. We got the knife. I'm not seeing a lamb out here, Pop. What's going on? So we ask him. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, behold, the fire and the wood. You see this in his I can see this. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Don't you just see the richness here? Can you imagine as a parent, three days of this journey, and now you're walking, probably the biggest fear of your life, and yet this much trust. It's a beautiful place when we allow God to stretch our faith muscle. 
It's beautiful intimacy when we go through life at such depth with God that we have to lean on Him so richly that we have that kind of intimacy with God Himself. So they went, both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him. Now, Isaac's old enough here probably to fight back, and yet we don't see that. We don't get that in the text here, which I think says something about Isaac's faith and how Abraham has poured into Isaac. And while I can't explain that, I think it's beautiful in here that there's something rich that's going on here. And laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Now, can't you see this? Isaac's on the wood. He's bound up. Abraham pulls out the knife over here. He's kind of, okay, I'm about to slaughter Isaac. Okay, one. I don't see a lamb yet. Two. Two and a half. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. You can just see the relief. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. <laughs> Can't just. How many times do we test God before we're obedient? We say, God, okay, God, I'm going to walk across the room here. All right, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on that mission trip. All right, God, I'm going to let go of what I love the most, and I'm going to trust you. Or do we just go one, two, two and a half, because we're not quite ready to surrender in obedience. Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing you have not, get this, you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. How many times do you think God's going to answer the prayers that you've submitted by giving you something that you're automatically going to put ahead of Him. Why would God answer your prayer so that you have a new number one in your life instead of Him? Because He gave what He loved the most. God blessed Him, not only with that, but if you keep reading, blessed Him with more than He ever thought. Because God knew that God would remain His priority and His Lord, no matter what came along. There's a reason God stretches our faith muscle. There's a reason He takes us to place, because He wants to bless us. He wants to walk in the garden with us still, hand in hand, having great relationship. And He wants to use us in a very powerful, powerful way. We've got to be obedient. So what's your Isaac? What's the thing God knows you love the most, possibly even more than him? Is he asking for that today? I have no doubt in this room, everybody in here has had or is about to have your Isaac moment. And is your muscles, your faith muscle, 
ready to take that journey. I hope you'll do the things in between to allow your faith to begin to grow and trust Him in the little things so that God can ask you for the big things. And when you do that, it's going to be different. You're going to find that there's a journey ahead of you that is sweet, that is intimate with the Father. And He's going to come alongside you, and He's okay with your doubts. He said, just don't get in the way, because i got a great plan for you. And I see more in you than you even see in yourself. This isn't a have-to for you. This is a get-to for you. He wants to walk that journey with you. I hope you'll take that journey. Let's pray.